Morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Uh, we are, as Beth said, in the final part of a series we've named, What Would Jesus Undo? We started four weeks ago. It's a small series. Can anyone remember what we talked about in the first week? Just shout it out. Indifference, that was right. Phil talked about the fact that we're salt and light, that we need to be a city on a hill. And then week two, can anyone remember what we spoke about? Hypocrisy, this is great. Yeah, Lance did a great illustration, didn't he? He talked about having a log in our own eye and looking at that before we point out the speck in someone else's. And then, of course, last week, Sarah talked about hollow worship. She talked about our heart posture towards God, our, our lifestyle, and the fact that hollow worship is us kind of not being um, in alignment in terms of our outward life and what was going on inside. And we know that last week many people came in repentance and the Lord did uh, some beautiful things. Today's message, I believe for some of us, is going to be crucial. But the problem with today's message is that some of you might think this message is for someone else. We're going to dive into a story today, and we're going to look at someone who was super confident in their own righteousness. You know these people. They're the people that are certain that they're always certain. See, people who are confident of their own righteousness can at times become arrogant, which then leads to looking down on other people. And because of this tendency, Jesus told this parable in Luke 18, because I believe Jesus wants to undo this issue of spiritual pride in our life. Now, I know there's loads of you that are sitting here, and there's some of you, and you're watching this online, and you're thinking, oh, well, I know those kinds of people. I'll bless them. I'll listen to this message, but it definitely does not apply to me. Okay, let's do a little poll then. Anybody here, have you ever been 100% right about something? Put your hand in the air. Well, not many of you. Well, coming to church this morning was good. That was 100% right, and sitting under the Word of God is 100% right. That's a good choice. Okay then. How many of you have been 100% right, put your hand in the air, yet proven 100% wrong later on? Hey, more honest people. (laughs) This parable is not for someone else. It's for you. And it's for me. Most of us at some point get overconfident and self-righteous over something or another. And what happens is we begin to think that we're all that. And it's dangerous for us. It's dangerous in our walk with Jesus. And Jesus wants to undo pride in our lives. This parable, friends, is a parable for all of us. Let's look at it. It's Luke 18. And we'll start in verse 9. It says this, to some who were, who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Straight away, you're picking which one you're going to go with here, right? The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other 
people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I mean, this Pharisee is so glad that he's not like all of these random people, but then he gets super specific, and he actually names this tax collector. Continues, verse 12, I I fast twice a week, the Pharisee says, and I give a tenth of all I get. Have you ever met someone like this? See, what we know about the traditions of this day, when this parable is being told, is this Pharisee is highly likely to have been praying this out loud. This wasn't a quiet, reflective prayer. He's praying this out loud, and Jesus is telling this story in this way because he knows the audience that he's speaking to would know that this Pharisee would have been praying out loud, yet demeaning another human being. He's talking to God and yet demeaning another person. Now, I know most of you know this, but tax collectors in this day were despised. They were known as traitors. They were known as thieves. They were not liked at all. But we read on from verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Jesus is telling this story not just to the group of people that are hearing this story, but he's saying it for you and for me. As I stated, these two people, we'd all agree one of them is bang out of order, right? And if the truth be told, because I know lots of you, (laughs) most of you probably would want to go up and give the tax collector a hug, wouldn't you? Because you're all lovely. You know he's got a heart. Let me tell you, Jesus is doing this on purpose. See, the emotions that we're feeling right now towards the Pharisee and towards the tax collector, they're totally on purpose. Jesus is not setting us up. He's actually leading us. And before we cast our stones, as it were, let me say this in love. The Pharisee's struggle is your struggle too. The Pharisee's struggle is our struggle too. The Pharisee's struggle is my struggle too. And at times, we can all feel so right and so good about ourselves, we actually have this prideful ability to mistreat others because we feel like we know what is good and right, don't we? But Jesus wants to undo this pride in our life. And not the good pride, not like being confident in something that you've done, like I was this week. I put up two mirror cabinets in two of our bathrooms, and I stood there and I went, hey, the wall is still standing. And I put these cabinets up. Thanks very much. Thank you. Speak to my wife. It is a miracle, I can tell you. I'm not talking about that kind of pride. I'm talking about the pride where we elevate ourselves to the point where we actually belittle somebody else. Pride has the ability to marry up with arrogance and lead us hand in hand towards ego. And I've said this many times. You know what ego stands for, right? E, easing, G, God, O, out. Easing God out. Now, let me tell you about this guy, Jason Matthews. Anyone heard of Jason Matthews? 
He was in the CIA for over 30 years. And he's written books about this. And basically, his job was to help other people in other countries betray their country and give the Americans information. That was his full-time job. And in thinking about this guy, I was thinking about, like, like, what would it take for a person? Like, what would you actually have to do? What are the nuts and bolts of actually trying to trick someone in giving up information about their country? And I'm not suggesting or encouraging you to start practicing this this week with your boss or your colleague or anything like that. But Matthews sadly explains in his books that it's pretty simple. What Matthews and the CIA would do, and they still probably do this, they would get to know a person in another country and their sole aim was to find out what the individual is insecure about. And what they would do is they would build that insecurity up. They would bring pride and ego into them. And what they found was, once they had the ability to build up some pride in someone, some ego in someone, they had them. That person wouldn't even realize it, but they'd start sharing secrets about their country. I mean, it's a silly example, but, but they'd find someone who was really, really bad at their job, and they'd just go on and on. They'd just encourage, you're so good at your job, you're so good at your job. They would pump them up, pump them up, and pump them up. And let me tell you, one of the most vulnerable places that you and I have in our lives is when we're pumped up on pride and ego. Theologian John Stott said this, he said that pride is your greatest enemy, humility is your greatest friend. Some of you are like, John, I know that, I know this, it's true, it's true. And some of you here may have studied the Bible from the beginning to the end, but I want to briefly mention here about this guy called Satan, or the enemy, or the devil, I don't know what comes to mind when I say those names. You might have a picture of a pitchfork kind of guy. Well, let me tell you this. Pride is the oldest sin that we know about. And it has everything to do with the devil. You might ask the question, well, what happened, John? Wasn't the devil up in heaven or something? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible tells us that the devil was an angel, and his name was Lucifer, and he was the worship leader in heaven. And this angel, Lucifer, was literally the one who helped display the splendor of God. I mean, his job was literally to make sure that everyone in heaven was worshiping God. Well, after a while, Lucifer's like, I love what they're all doing for God. And he's like, I'd like some of that. Ezekiel 28 tells us a little bit about this, about this being, about Lucifer, the one we call the devil. Ezekiel 28 verse 17 says, your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. The Bible actually gives us evidence that the devil was actually beautiful, but his wisdom was corrupted because of his love of splendor. So let's try and understand this bigger picture. We'd all agree that evil exists in our world, right? I don't know how you feel about this, but I often feel like behind the scenes, someone is constantly stirring stuff up in our world. 
I believe one of the devil's um, greatest objectives for us is for us to get taken out the same way that he did. Doesn't it seem just natural and logical that if it was his pride that got in his way and then caused him severe consequences, he'd want the same for us. Think about it. A vengeful, revenge-orientated devil would for sure want us to make the same fatal errors that he did. For all of us to fall in the same way and face the same consequences, separation from God, ego, easing God out. Have you ever been tempted in your life to, to cut others down a peg or two? Have you ever had these emotions where you thought or said or criticized other people and you've allowed pride and ego to set in? It's the oldest sin in the book and it's one of the most powerful. So what do we do about pride? We know God calls us to be humble, but we're, we're not born humble. If you disagree with me, just go hang out with a toddler. Parenting is crazy and it's a beautiful journey, but with all of our ch children, we have three, we've been constantly reminded of this. That my kids were like born with this notion that life should be all about them. They are. These different stages that we've gone through have been fun, but also exhausting at times. Because our kids are like, why can't I draw on the walls? And why can't I cut my own hair? And when we say no or don't do that, it, just, it doesn't even compute in their head. They literally just want to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And we see pride come out in them again and again and again. And if we're honest, I think in adulthood, we all fight this consistently. Have you ever seen a colleague that was promoted and you thought, hold on a minute, I'm better than them. I'm way better than them. Have you ever experienced it when someone else gets something but you feel like you deserve it? Our gut reaction is usually to say, well, they don't, they don't actually deserve it. We begin to belittle, belittle people, and we can even try and justify it. Like belittling others somehow in that moment seems right and rational and reasonable. But the Bible teaches us at the back end of verse 14 here, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And there's a lot of things I could say about this. But search your heart. We've all seen evidence of pride in our lives, of pride in other people's lives. Most of us, if not all of us, will have experienced firsthand exalting ourselves and then being humbled. We've probably seen it in others as well. We want to big ourselves up, but we know we need to stay humble. But how do we? How do we really stay humble? How do we maintain humility? Can we begin to fight pride? Well, let me try and give you a picture of what pride does that will hopefully help us. This is a puffer fish. Uh, well, it, there it is. <laughs> this is a puffer fish. Uh, some people call it a blowfish. And it looks quite weird and creepy, doesn't it? I'm not sure about the eyeballs there. Very strange looking fish. But let me teach you what I've learned from National Geographic. 
See, what these fish do is whenever they begin to feel intimidated or, or like something uneasy is going on, what they do is they fill themselves up with water and air and they puff out. They try and make themselves look bigger and badder and better than whatever is making them feel uncomfortable. See, I kind of already knew this about puffer fish, but what I didn't know about puffer, puffer fish is that they're toxic. They are extremely toxic. Don't miss this because this is National Geographic gold. Puffer fish, their toxin is 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide. Like, when I said toxic, I don't just mean like an upset stomach. There's enough poison in one puffer fish to kill 30 human adults. And there's no antidote. Like puffer fish, we can all puff ourselves up when we get intimidated, when we get, loud, uh, when we get let down, when we begin to see a threat in our lives. And we can begin to elevate ourselves, exaggerating things about ourselves that end up putting other people down. And you know what? If that happens within a marriage, eventually the toxin comes out. If one person in a marriage says, I'm always right, and the other person feels exactly the same, when pride uh, keeps us from ever apologizing and forgiving one another, it becomes toxic. Look, here's my push into your life. When you feel threatened or, or belittled or not enough, you have the same temptation as me, of everybody else, of elevating yourself, even like to the point of lying, dare I say it. Pride is toxic in every situation. Jesus for sure wants us to undo pride in our lives. Now, it's weird for me as a pastor to tell you that we need to be humble. Like church, you need to be humble, so go and be humble. And you will sit here and you're like, oh, okay, okay, what I'll do is I'll go away and I'll be humble. And when I'm humble, I'll text John and I'll tell him that I've been humble. Well, that's not very humble, is it? <laughs> it doesn't really work that way, does it? The whole humility topic is different to other things. So let's go back to this parable Jesus was teaching. Verse 13, God have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. In our lives, we all know that this is the right answer, right? Not, I thank you that I'm not like all those other people. Which response do you want to be the posture of your heart? I think all of you would say humility, not pride, right? The question is, how do we become like a tax collector? How do we need to practice this in our lives to make it happen? What do we need to learn from this story in order to be humble? Well, I've worked it out, just so you know. <laughs> Humility requires a cosmetic mirror. I think we've got one of those. I think it's going to come up on the screen. There it is, one of these. Basically, I was totally unfamiliar with what this was until I met Alice. And one day I saw it, it's portable, I thought, hey, it's great, I can see what I'm doing. And then literally I flipped it around and went, whoa, 
my nose was this big, I could see the wrinkles, the gray hair was there, and I was like, no, thank you very much. I'd rather have the other side than this side. <laughs> but I think it's a decent example of what we need in our lives. You say, John, what, what are you saying? I'm saying the antidote to pride is to carry a cosmetic mirror around with you every single day. Simples. I don't mean that, do I? The Bible is a mirror for us. The more that we read it, the more that we study it, the more the Lord speaks to us, we see the reality of what's breaking down in our lives. It's difficult to read the Bible regularly and be committed to actually staying arrogant and in pride and stuck in ego. Prayer is a mirror to us. As we spend time with the Lord, as we listen to Jesus, as we seek him, we start to uh, know that Jesus is highlighting things to us. He's challenging us. He's loving us in the error of our ways. He's showing us how to be more like him. An another mirror, and many of you are not involved in these, so let me commend these to you again. Another cosmetic mirror in our life is called a life group. It's a special place where we get to know people, and people really get to know us. Not just saying hello to them on a Sunday, but they know us. They love us. They want to help us. They want to reflect things to us. Some of the most arrogant people, some of the most pride-filled people, egotistical people that I know are some of the most isolated people I know. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what, I, I am disconnected. We need people speaking into our lives. We need them as a cosmetic mirror. We need someone. We need people. We need the Bible. We need Jesus himself to speak to us and to help us to root out pride. God says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If you've ever felt like this whole topic of humility doesn't make sense, then this should bring some clarity. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ who in being very nature did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. And he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Is that not the greatest example of humility that could ever be modeled to us. Maybe in this moment, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Maybe he's highlighting to you how you have been exercising pride and arrogance. I see it all the time online. Social media, prime example, where it's that distance and you feel like you, people can get away with saying whatever they want. It has incredible impact on other people's lives, of belittling others. But maybe you're sitting here right now and you're like, do you know what? I am exercising pride 
in my relationships, in my marriage, in, in my workplace, in my uni, in my school. We need to humble ourselves. This parable in Luke ends like this. It says, I tell you, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You know who Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the tax collector. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those that humble themselves will be exalted. If you've ever wondered what's fundamentally needed in our precious church, fundamentally needed in our families, fundamentally needed in our world, in all of our relationships, it's this. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Stop for a second. Shall humble themselves. If, you, if you've been a Christian for any length of time and you've read this verse before, sometimes we just skip over it because we think that this is all about prayer. But it says here, if we will humble ourselves, if we will humble ourselves, if we will humble ourselves, yes, and pray, we will seek his face. We will turn from our wicked ways. And what happens when we get humble? Then we will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sin and will heal our land. Just to finish, when we are full of ourselves, there's no room for God. The weight of what I've shared today should have pierced some hearts, because honestly, if you and I don't battle pride on a daily basis, if we don't have these cosmetic mirrors, as it were, reflecting truth into our lives, if we're not emotionally and spiritually engaged in serving one another, in really looking at what's going on, having God's honest perspective, revealing truth to us, like I said last week, we get bitter, not better. We become full of pride and we push God out. But in humbling ourselves, our land will get healed. Humbling ourselves, our marriages will get healed. Humbling ourselves, our friendships will get healed. Healing comes with humility. It's all about how we engage with one another. This really matters to God. Amen? Amen.